Gentle persons, ladies and gentlemen, Benny and the Jets, the audio performance you are about to enjoy discusses casinos and gambling. We do not recommend gambling with money you cannot afford to lose or that is needed to pay bills. If you have a gambling problem, contact your problem gambling hotline. If you do not know how to contact your problem gambling hotline, send an email to help at casinocombat.com. We will find that number for you and provide it to you. Our host's past performances are not indicative of anyone's future results, including his own. All materials presented here are based on actual facts. Names and dates are changed to protect the innocent and the guilty. Some events unrelated to outcomes may be omitted in the interest of brevity and clarity. It is, it's me, it's TRG, the Rambling Gambler. It's all about the game and how you play it. All about control and if you can take it. All about the debt and if you can pay it. It's all about the pain and who's going to make it. Welcome to episode 115 of our Casino Combat Podcast. The end of three years of my ongoing effort to demonstrate how players can win the game of casino gambling. So our podcast is very literally all about the game and how to play it. It's all about control and if you can take it. Hint, you can. Done correctly, there is no debt and no need to pay it. If losing money is a pain, then we just need to be the ones who make it happen to the house. Pretty easy, actually. Um, Okay, I'm having a little fun with this. So to slightly paraphrase Motorhead from here, I am the game, I make the rules. So play like me or lose like a fool. Try to figure out what the move's going to be. Come over here, sucker, why don't you ask me? Don't let the house forget there's a price they will pay because I am the game and I want to play. Okay, this is really fun. Let's get our swagger on and go a bit further. I may need to continue this rewrite and have another theme song recorded. Imagine talking to a casino manager after a nice set of wins and saying, I am the game. You don't want to play me. I am control. There's no way you can change me. I have no debt. You will pay me. I am your pain and you know you can't take me. Boom. Mic drop. There we go. Okay. One more little bit of wrestling meets gambling and a bit more about me, and then we'll get to it. My sons claim that I have an air quotes casino walk. They they think my stride gets longer, my shoulders get a bit broader, and I walk a bit more quickly. My oldest one asked me about it once, and I said he was mistaken and tried to laugh it off, and everyone, including Mrs. TRG, chimed in and said he was right. And I said, okay. All right, maybe. I'll confess, every time I walk down the walkway from the garage into the casino, I hear this in my head. How's that for a winning mindset? Listen. If you walked into this by accident, if this is your first time and we've been doing this for three years, please feel very, very welcome. I mean that as sincerely as I can. This is the most welcoming group of people that I just happen to be fortunate enough to be the first voice of. This is a group that if you want help to win 
at the game of casino gambling. If you want to understand how it's done, just come find us. We will help you. We will do this. We are doing this. But after three years, a lot of us are becoming good friends and who are used to a little bit of the absurdity that lightens up some very serious looks at winning the game of casino gambling. If you want to win the game of casino gambling, and I know some of you are listening and going, this guy is an idiot. This isn't possible. This can't be done. I'm here to tell you can't. You can. If you would like to live a casino lifestyle when and as you wish and get paid by the casino for enjoying that lifestyle, we can tell you how to do it. We will tell you how to do it. We will not charge you for sharing what we know. We can show you how to do what we do if it's something that interests you. And I very much mean we. As I said, it's my tremendous honor to be the most common voice of our podcast, but I am not the only contributor. I am not the only teacher. Honestly, I am so lucky that some of you found me so I could be the student. And I'm going to speak a bit more about what's going on with the squad in the Casino Combat Galaxy and about our podcast in general, but let me give you the battle plan for the episode first. And then we're going to get to some serious things, uh, some emotional things, and... uh, and, and some fun things. And some absurdity. Don't worry, I got some absurdity for you too. But here's the battle plan. Once we wrap up this opening monologue, I'm going to do a questions my sons ask segment. My personal mixologist asked a question the other day that I hear all the time. It represents a fundamental misunderstanding of how casinos work. And we're going to discuss that. And I'm going to dispel that rumor. At least dispel it based on my experiences. And maybe we'll find people with different experiences. I'm going to follow that up with a core concepts segment that is the second part of my discussion from our previous episode. It turns out that buying in bigger and using TRG Wagering System 3, the Meta Martingale, as a transmission, if you will, dialing between wager sizes like their gears, has some crook side advantages, and I'm going to share those with you. And Mitch be damned, I'm going to share them with you. I don't see any way to not use them. I just want to show you how this slightly different look at using TRG3, the Meta Martingale, changes things for us from the house's point of view in a very positive way, in a way that can really directly impact future results. It's a really, really interesting observation on employing that technique, and I wanted to separate it out and make it its own thing, which is why I told you then that there would be a part two today. And there will be. After that, I have a unique travel segment for you. Not about where we went, but about where we are going, and more importantly, why. Make no mistake, this is not about me. It is about you understanding how to take advantage of the casino promotions department to live a casino lifestyle. Finally, I've ended another month and another casino combat fiscal year. So we will examine all of those results in the virtual VIP lounge. Spoiler. The month may have a surprising outcome, and maybe not an outcome I would have liked. We'll see what that is when we get there. But if you have followed along for a while, you know that on an annual fiscal year basis, we are popping bottles in the virtual VIP lounge when we get there today. Before we jump into that, let me share some squad news first. We have become a squad. We operate in our own galaxy, with our own way of seeing things in casinos. But we don't always win, and there are lessons in that. I got an email from a squad mate, and as I read it, I want to tell you, it put me exactly here. Pain, suffering, I feel. 
Something terrible has happened. Terrible pain. So here's what the squad mate sent me. He said, you have said pride comes before a fall and fall I did. I thought I had it all figured out. Maybe I do. Maybe I don't. I've shared here the list of the four days I gambled in two casinos a day for $100 times two, and I did amazing until I didn't. Yes, I learned some things. Yes, I will probably do the stupid thing again at some point because I'm not perfect, but I'm trying to be the best I can. First thing I learned is double deck is an animal I don't know how to handle at this time. Maybe the the rules were not in my favor. I don't know. No doubling after splits and only doubling on 8, 9, 10s, 11s is just a few things I remember after I got clobbered. I was so confident when I walked into the casino on Memorial Day. I had two bankrolls for the day because I was going to go to two casinos and go to the last one for the Memorial Day giveaway and I wanted to be prepared if I was... Unlucky enough to lose a bankroll, I didn't think it would happen. I mean, I've been losing a hundred, winning a hundred to six hundred dollars a day every time I've stepped into the casino for the last ten visits. How can I lose if I do have a backup? But then I was stupid. I said to myself as I walked around the first casino of the day, "I'm a winner. I've added so much to my bankroll, and if I combine my two bankrolls, I can win more and grow my bankroll faster." Yeah, that's a good idea. And oh, look, a double deck game—that's supposed to be better than a six deck game. I'll start at two table of 25 and one table of 50 and one table of 100 all i want is 200 then i'm off to the other casino and the party except it didn't go as planned i lost all the 25 dollar tables then the 50 dollars not a problem i haven't lost at tier three and it's only about one in 32 times i'll lose it can't be this time well it was i took a greater loss and than i should and that's because i was at a three unit bet at tier three and i had six units left and I didn't win and I said okay walk away but I pushed my last three chips in the circle and another loss well stupid I said to myself you did it to yourself you're your own worst enemy you combined the bankrolls and took a tier three loss do you have the money to gamble at the other casino well lucky I did only because if of my normal walking around money well I got to the other casino later than I wanted to and missed out on some free entries to the drawing that I had accumulated all weekend a tier three loss and missed entries. This is not starting out well. And on top of that, all the minimums have gone up every hour from the time I was supposed to get there. And I had to stand by waiting for 35 minutes to get a seat at a table. And I watched the minimums go from 5 to 10. Oh, that's not bad. My bankroll can still work. Even to 15 by the time I sit down. Well, 15 is over. It's just a little over my starting unit. Side note, I have found that if I do two $10 tables, $200 buy-ins and two $25 tables, two $250 buy-ins and $50 table, $500 buy-ins for $950. Let's say $1,000. All the math works out better for me so I can keep track easier. Actually, that makes sense. It really does. It's a perfect application of everything. But I can sit down and make it work. If I skip the second tier one table, I still have enough money and I can go to tier two and it all still works. And next thing I know, I'm at tier three again. No big deal. I've been here before and I'm all, and, and I already lost my one in 32 tier threes. I'm, I'm good 100%. I'll win the 100 plus to start my winning again. Well, no, I didn't. Another tier three lost. Two in one day. After my second tier three lost, I was finished for the night. I only had an hour and 10 minutes for the last three drawings. So I walked around the casino looking for a video blackjack game and the video poker game because I was looking into video poker to see if I could figure out if it will work for me. Um, there are a lot of lessons here and I'll, I'll share my response in a minute. But as Yoda said, the pain, such, such terrible pain. I could feel it because I've lived it and I lived it again. I could feel it grab me as the words rushed off the page. However, I want to share one more Yoda piece of wisdom with you before I get to my response. 
heeded my words not, did you? Pass on what you have learned. Strength, mastery, hmm. but weakness, folly, failure also. Yes, failure most of all. The greatest teacher, failure. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. He's very, very right. He is very, very right. Um, So here's my response, and we can all learn from this. I I said, I lived it with you as I read it. I really did. When it falls apart, that's exactly how it happens to me. A series of small bad choices supported by my ego and a feeling of being indestructible because of success. I did it several times in April. One of the problems I struggle with is that feeling unbeatable makes sense because things work so well so often. What I am working so hard to do is recognize that thinking and pull back and decide if ego is causing bad decision making. I'm going to make a couple of observations on where I think you got into the spin that messed you up. Understand this is, I've been there before, I've done it, I've felt it, I want to avoid it and help you avoid. Not a commentary on what I'd have done better. I can see myself doing all of it and regretting it hard afterwards. One of his quotes, if I combine the two bankrolls, I will win more and grow my bankroll faster. What I want to tell myself here is don't make bankroll decisions like this in the casino walking around. At least go out to the parking lot, count the money, think it through, do the math. That would put some of my ego in check. My coaching observation would be this. If you start the day with two bankrolls for two casino visits, one should stay in the car locked in the glove box. The second bankroll is for the second casino. Next, from his email. Double deck game. That's supposed to be better than a six deck game. It is, but as you observed, it's a different beast. This is my response. Because doubles are restricted and doubles after splits are restricted, basic strategy changes a good bit. You need to know those changes or your everyday casino carry kit needs to include the correct strategy card. PhD level observation here. I play a more conservative exit point on double deck games. This is on the negative side, and I should have written that. A more conservative negative exit point on double deck games because without the soft splits, recovery from more than five or six units down becomes much more unlikely. Double deck is more of a grind than six to eight decks because of the rules restrictions and the shuffling. Okay, walk away, but I push my last three chips into the circle. Tough love here. Sorry. I'm glad it happened, and I'm glad you lost. The lesson has been taught. I had to learn it more than once. I may learn it again. The only worst thing that can happen is that you win and build a bad habit. That is a teacher-student point of view. And as a a squad mate, as a a member-to-member thing, I never want to see this happen. I never want to see anybody lose. But as a teacher-to-student thing, I, I like seeing this happen to people. I like seeing them do something they shouldn't, do something they didn't plan to. That's a better way to say that. Shouldn't is relative. Doing something they did not plan to do and have it blow up on them. Failure is a teacher, and that's a lesson. 
Next pull out from his, uh, his email. I got to the other casino later than I wanted to and missed out on free entries into the drawing. I was accumulating all weekend, a tier three loss and missed entries. This is not starting well. And on top of that, all the minimums have gone up and this is where it all falls apart. This is my thinking again from experience. What I want to do here is realize I messed up and or conditions were not what I expected. And my thing I want to do there is where can I get a root beer? Maybe at a $25 video poker tournament, have some sips, watch the girl world go by while I see if they call my name. I often say that I don't go out and drink on New Year's Eve or St. Patrick's Day because when pros play with amateurs, the pros get hurt. The same thing applies here. You were getting civilian rules and civilian limits on the holiday. And by that, I mean the limits are creeping up. The crowd is creeping, creeping up. It's harder to get a, a seat. The limits are not where you want them to be. We need to see that, recognize it, and walk away. We want to play the next session, especially after a Tier 3 loss, under calm and ideal condition. The pro move here was to party, but limit your exposure. My opinion, my lesson out of this, if you will. I continued. I'm hurting going through your notes. That's why we have notes. That's why we have accountability. We need to be nakedly honest with ourselves after events like this. It's fine to say, I'm done. I'm going to play for fun going forward. Just with what I can lose and do what I want and have fun. Perfectly acceptable response. Or you can say, I'm a pro. This happened. Here is how I'm going to fix this. Sorry you went through this. Please don't think it's unique or that it doesn't happen to good players. TRG. Now here is the rest of the story, or now here is the rest of the story. <laughs> Very few people will get that one. Look, a few days later, I got another email. Same squad, mate. Things were back on track. Money was being won again. Corrections had been made. That was followed several days later by thank you for everything. I couldn't have gotten through this without the podcast. I didn't include the last bit of Yoda's teaching to Luke from that last quote about failure. But he concludes by saying, Our job as masters is to be surpassed by our students. The squad mate who had that horrible, horrible Memorial Day and recovered using what I've shared here is half my age or more which means he is well on his way to surpassing me. He has three plus decades with the lessons he's already learned. That's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. There's no doubt that the students surpass the master. I won't be here to see it unless I figure out this force ghost thing. But you folks are well on your way. Many, many of you, and I'm sorry for the pain some of you are going through to get there, but you're getting there faster and you're recovering from it faster, and that's what I've been trying to do, right? Maybe we can't be perfect on the road to success, but we can all walk it a lot faster because we're walking it together. Complete tone change, segue, adjustment. In other news, the galaxy has changed again. This is our podcast, and we are making it up as we go along, and we did just that recently, and I can't wait to tell you about it, and I am going to go a bit TRG on all this. I am going to ramble a little bit, and I am going to mix some metaphors, and I'm going to have fun doing it. I may be using the ring a bit here to change dates to protect the innocent and the guilty. I'm not sure I haven't uh, messed with the casino combat timeline a little bit, if you will. As I said, I'm going to lean into some interesting analogies here. 
So I'm sitting at the bar in my local casino going over the numbers for the day and I get an urgent email from Inner Circle member Virginia Casino player Doug, 8th to the ring, defender of the Commonwealth. Yes, Commonwealth is spelled with a K. Yes, VCPD has an additional title. Yes, that's what all this is about. So I get this urgent email. VCPD has some content he wants to post. Go ahead. Why not? Let's spell content with a K as well. Let's throw K's all over this thing. VCPT had some content spelled with a K that he wanted to post. It was pictures with another listener he met at his local casino. Listeners meeting listeners. This is excellent. They needed a podcast call sign for our newly discovered squad mate, and our squad mate wanted me to assign the call sign. Well, this is a request fraught with complexity if you are me. And yes, I just said fraught. But it really is. I mean, let's look at the request here. I mean, is that a thing? I mean, do we do that? Can Inner Circle members and by extension Excelsior Brigade members just hand out podcast call signs like some woman lying in a pond handing out swords? Are we an autonomous collective or a self-perpetuating autocracy? Maybe I can't just give out call signs without having them ratified at the weekly meeting by a two-thirds majority. Okay. Okay, that went in a bit of strange direction, but hopefully, I hope I've demonstrated that I really thought this over, and I really thought about it over a bit of crown apple with just one ice cube, and here's what I concluded. This is a little bit like vampires, right? I mean, isn't it? You get a call sign if you contribute to the podcast. That's something I choose. You also get a a podcast call sign if you play the game in episode 22 and figure out the real-world name of my home casino. And by doing that, you enter the Excelsior Brigade or the Inner Circle back in the day, which automatically means you have to have a call sign. Therefore, any Excelsior Brigade or Inner Circle member can just share the information and create more Excelsior Brigade members and call signs just like a vampire. Therefore, they can certainly give out call signs to other squad mates they meet. Essentially, they can make other vampires, but still protect the game and the higher ranks in our squad, if there is such a crazy thing. (laughs) They can do that all in the process, right? They don't have to say, hey, look, I'm going to tell you the secrets, and you just email TRG, and he'll give you a call sign. They could do that. I can't stop them. I can't stop any of you who know from telling other people and making other members. I've said that to many of you over the years. Wow, I've said that to many of you over the years. That's really cool. Patting myself on the back. Uh, okay, so this this metaphor works. This, this little bit of looking at things work. Members of the Excelsior Brigade, members of the Inner Circle can certainly request call signs for people that they need call signs for. Completely reasonable. And VCPD made it easy. He had done his homework. He was able to share some information about the person he was requesting a call sign for. Profession, interests, family structure, things to give me something to jump off of. And here's where I'm going to mix the metaphor. I was around registered quarter horses for a large part of my youth. Registered quarter horses are all about bloodline, or they were. I haven't been around them for years. Maybe Equine Ensign would tell me something else. But at least at the time, they were all about bloodline. Who was the sire? Who the the top vampire was, if you will, right? Who started the family line? And if it was a good family line, we wanted to know that. So I had a horse whose great-grandfather or great-great-grandfather, something like that, very successful quarter horse, won all kinds of prizes, etc., etc. And that horse's name was Tag Socks. 
And so my horse's name was Tag Sox's mistress, which always, as a child, seemed a bit creepy and incestuous to me, but I digress. The idea was you carried forward some aspect of the name of the sire in the name of all the horses that came from that bloodline. So sitting there at the bar, I threw all of that in the mental blender, along with the crown apple with the couple ice cubes. VCPD is the sire. Virginia is a commonwealth. One of the attributes of the person getting the call sign is they like the Washington, D.C. sports teams. Boom. We spell commonwealth with a K, and our newest squad mate's call sign is commonwealth commander. Commander, of course, spelled with a C. Come on. I mean, okay, look, let's take the obvious joke for the obvious. I was not going to give someone in Virginia a call sign that's abbreviation was KK. I was just asking for trouble for everyone involved forever. But I like this, see? Because an initial of KC, it references back to the initials of the podcast and to the initials on the one ring of power that lets me change the names and dates when I need to as part of the podcast. It represents the ring I wear every day. It's also a reference to VCPD, a reference and a reference to the Washington Commanders. I just, all of it, happy to have Commonwealth Commander as part of our squad, as someone in our role book of people that have call signs. And I've got to say, while I haven't met him in person, I am looking forward to it, and I appreciate that he is already contributing to us in the Casino Combat Squad Facebook group, sharing things, sharing how his has applied things he's learned from us. Just wonderful all the way around. So once I was there, once I'd gotten through all that, it just seemed obvious. VCPD needed an additional title as head of the Virginia Division of the Squad. Division? Battalion? I'm, I'm clueless and a bit twisted in my own world building at this point, if I'm being honest. Defender of the Commonwealth, Commonwealth spelled with a K, seemed a fitting title to add to VCPD's resume. Very, very well deserved. Let me throw one other little bit there, not bit in the sense of a shtick, but a bit of information. Through conversation that I had with VCPD in preparation to be Defender of the Commonwealth, he asked, and, or I asked, or we asked, or we decided, I confess, I'm not sure. But the outcome of it was, yes, absolutely. I printed up some business cards for him with, with his credentials on them and some information about our podcast so that he had something to put in the pocket of his vest specific to him that he could carry around, that he could hand out to people if he got talking about the podcast. If you are a member of the Inner Circle, if you are a member of the Excelsior Brigade, if you are regularly contributing to this podcast in whatever fashion, and you would like some business cards sent to your home with your resume, your credentials, your casino information for this podcast, your casino podcast information, that's a better way to say it. If you would like your call sign and our casino combat podcast and www's and for how people can email me and all that kind of stuff i certainly will be happy to send you some you know how to find me send me an email trgxcenocombat.com spell combat with a k not like i need to tell all of you all of that but if you would like a set of business cards that was not a one-off thing i'm happy to do that if you're willing to take your time to carry our cards and try to expand our squad the least i can do is write the check Jokes and absurdity for the sake of entertainment aside, three years ago, we were a squad of two, me and my wife. 
I was a guy talking into the air about an idea. Today we span the globe and bloodlines of listeners, meeting listeners, has started to exist. We are both demonstrating that my original ideas work and refining and improving on them as a group. I would not have invented TRG4, win more, keep more, if no one had listened. I just know that. I just know that in my heart. I would not have found that refinement if I wasn't doing this with an eye toward what to share with all of you. And if the Graham wasn't screaming at me that I needed to put together TRG2 and TRG1 to make something better. That's what we did, or I did, because I was motivated and inspired by all of you. And honestly, what I play today is an experimental variation that will probably be labeled TRG 4.3791 because it takes TRG 4 and then it tweaks it with just a bit from things I've learned from Dr. ECE and from Equine Ensign through discussions and conversation. And it's so complicated that unless we're sitting together somewhere, I suspect I'm not going to try to share it on air, online in our podcast, not because I'm trying to hold something back, but because there is a level of complexity there that's a little hard to illustrate. And quite frankly, TRG4 works just fine. I am having some revelations from TRG4 and Bubble Craps, even today as I sit here recording. Thank you, everyone. Where we go from here is wherever we want. And it sure looks like it will be fun and profitable. All right, let's go. Let's get started. Next up, Questions my sons ask. What? 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 My sons ask questions about gambling. Listeners ask questions about gambling. Random strangers ask questions about gambling. Sometimes bartenders ask questions about gambling. So I'm uh, I'm having a drink and my personal mixologist, the only person in maybe the planet at this point who can without help make a perfect TRG teeny is having a conversation because it's a slow day at the bar and uh, we're talking through things. And at one point he knows results. He, he's got a good read on me. He will ask, where are you in your day? Are you doing math or are you done? And da, da, da. he, he understands he's got a, he's got every reason to believe that he can believe what I tell him about my results. And hopefully that's also something all of you believe. And Somewhere in the process, we're talking about the casino and the house finding out and this and that. And he goes, well, yeah, the last thing you want them to do is know because if they knew, well, then then you're done. And I didn't really get a chance to answer him because the bar started getting busier. And I'm sure he and I'll come back to that at some point. But it is a thing I wanted to address with all of you. No one cares. I mean, this is literally, look, the, the assumption is that if the house figures out what we're doing, they're going to catch us and they're going to stop us. No one's going to stop us and we don't need to go away. They don't care. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe if we were doing this at the $100,000 a hand limit, the million dollar a hand limit, maybe somebody would care. But just like Jurassic Park, the first movie, you don't need to keep your voice down when you're talking about dinosaurs because no one cares. It's okay. If you sit down at a bar, no, 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 let's not do that. 
Suppose you sit down at a barbecue, right? You're just, you got invited over to the party. It's maybe 4th of July that's coming up and you're sitting there eating some burgers or some fried tofu or whatever. And you're explaining to your neighbor, Rob, that you've been listening to this podcast, Casino Combat, and you've been going to the casino and it really works and da 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 and Rob asks you for the name, and you write it down for him, and you tell him, hey, listen to episode 62, 63, 64, listen to episode 105, you know, you're, you'll be fine. And Rob listens, and Rob doesn't really write it all down, doesn't, he's got it, he, he's just going to go fail. The, the house doesn't care. They'd rather have Rob come try than be afraid of Rob. They just would. The number of us who can do this, the number of us who have the focus that want to do this, the number of us that care more about winning than playing is infinitesimally small. This is all possible. This is all doable, but it is not something my personal mixologists misunderstanding is the common misunderstanding, right? That this must be so esoteric and so unique and so special that if they ever figure it out, they're going to stop us. They wouldn't let it happen. The only way they can stop it, the only way they can not let it happen is what are they going to do? They're going to take all the Baccarat tables out. They're going to take all the blackjack tables out. They're going to take all the crafts tables out. Well, I suppose they don't have to do that. I suppose they could just remove, I mean, they could say, oh, you know, TRG is beating us up too much on the don't pass bet using TRG4, win more, keep more. So, you know, we're just going to put it all in crapsless craps where there is no don't pass. To which I reply, okay, I'll give you the extra six cents or 16 cents or whatever it is per hundred house advantage. I'll just beat you on don't pass or on pass. If you want to take off the don't passes, fine. I'll just beat you on pass. Well, then I guess you take out all the craps tables. So no craps, no Baccarat. Blackjack's playing one of your biggest table games most places. Gotta take out blackjacks. If you leave me blackjack, I'm gonna beat you. Even if you leave me with six to five blackjack, I'm just gonna complain. Boy, I almost said words I didn't want to say there. I'm just gonna complain. <laughs> I was almost gonna be mitching and moaning about the fact that you had only six to five, but I'll beat you at six to five. I'll just complain. I just won't like it. I'll just think it's unfair. So you gotta take all those out too. I guess you gotta go over. You'd really make it hard for me. I, I guess I, I'll take off red, black, even odd, upper half, lower half. Take all those off the roulette table because I'll beat those too. They don't care. There's not enough of us. There's never going to be enough of us. It doesn't matter. And I wish I could prove it to you. I wish I could. And I can't take video. They won't let me. Uh, and they shouldn't let me. I can't, it, you know. I'd love to have all of you walk my local casino floor with me five days a week. Hey, TRG. How you going, TRG? These are the bosses. These are the bosses. In fact, not that long ago, and I don't think I've shared this, but not that long ago. See, there are the dealers, right? Well, you expect them to be friendly and nice. You tip them. They don't care, right? They're not trying to stop you unless you're cheating. Everyone knows I'm not cheating. Everybody knows, right? So you get to the pit bosses. Well, you'd expect they'd care a little bit, but they don't. 
I'm nice. I'm polite. I don't slow down the game. I know all the rules. I help the dealers. I help the pit bosses. I help the other players if, if I can, if they want to be helped. They're all really nice to me. They extend me extra favors. I get special permissions. I get to do things other people don't get to do in terms of I don't have to ask all the time. Like everybody just knows if, if I want card shuffled, they can be shuffled. I mean, everybody that sees me every day. If I show up at 8 a.m., nobody's going to know that. But the regular people that I see all the time, they all know. I want to take you one step further. Above those bosses, there's another set of bosses that you sometimes see on the casino floor. And I'm not talking about the, the manager of food and beverage or, or something like that. You see those people too. But I'm talking the casino side of things, not the hospitality side of things. There are these people that are like super pit bosses, right? They're, they're floor managers. I think that's probably their, their title or some executive floor manager, something like that. They, you'll see, sometimes you'll see one of them in a pit wandering around Uh funny story. The one is a great, great lady. And uh, she's talking to a craps player playing craps with Gabriel and he makes some type of wise crack to her. And she kind of raises an eyebrow and he goes, Oh wait, you can kick me out if you want to, right? And she's like, yeah, I'm not going to kick you out again for something like that. And he goes, oh, good. He goes, you can kind of. And she goes, yeah, do anything I want. I can hand you $5,000 if I feel like it. I can kick you out if I feel like it. It's this level of people, right? You would think, and sometimes you don't see any of them. Sometimes I'll be in my local casino and I won't see any of them for several days. And sometimes I'll see one of them. And we're, our relationships are always always cordial. So the other day, um, just before I had this conversation with my personal mixologist, I see three of them in the same day in about an hour, which certainly means there was something going on I didn't know anything about. And that's fine. But the first one, the one who can do anything she wants, hand us $5,000 or kick us out. She nodded. She said, hi. I nodded. I said, hi. I'm walking down an aisle. I walk by the next one and he says, how's your day TRG? And I say, just great. And then I go around the corner and there's a next one and he nods and I nod and he says, are you just getting started? Or are you just wrapping up? And I said, I'm, I'm just getting started. And he said, okay, well, if there's anything, you know, several of us are down here. If there's anything you need, just please let us know. Does that sound to you like people that are worried about me? Does that sound to you like people I need to hide from? Does that sound like people who either, A, obviously that's not they don't know. They obviously know. They're obviously well informed that I'm out there fairly regularly, who I am and what I do. It's not really hidden. And they're obviously not concerned because they'd be a little more terse. Don't you think? Don't you think we wouldn't say to someone that we consider a threat or a problem, if you need anything, let me know. Right? That's not what you say to someone that's a problem that you're just tolerating. That's just not, it doesn't make any sense to me. If you've got another read on that whole sequence, please email it over, trg at casinocombat.com. Send that my way. Let me take a look at your interpretation of that. Because that's not how I'm reading the room. That's not what I'm seeing. So if you are of the mind, if you've listened to some or part of all of this, over the course of whatever episodes you've listened to, if being, so here's my, here's my take on it. You do not need to be sneaky. I don't think you need to be broadcasting it. It's just going to waste everybody's time. As much as we're excited 
mo- very few people are actually excited if they've not already listened to the podcast and understood it. If being sneaky and hiding what we do is the the casino persona that works well for you, if that puts you in the winning mindset, if if putting on the hoodie and pulling it up and and trying to be inconspicuous and keep to yourself and not really let anybody see what's going on that puts you where you need to be, great, go for it. Absolutely, 100% behind that. But if you are thinking, like my personal mixologist, that we can't let them find out what we do, I don't find that to be true. I don't find that to be true at all. There, there's nothing about this that's underhanded in the in the sense of the gameplay itself. Yes, I will try to manipulate a game in my favor. That is what this is all about. This is all about a set of rules, constructs, behaviors, patterns, whatever you want to call them, that tries to tip things just a little bit in our favor by us changing what we do and sometimes changing what people around us do. That's certainly true, and and you can mention moan about that if that's what you want to do. But do not think that on its surface, we need to be concerned, at least not the level I'm playing, we do not need to be concerned. And if you get that question please try to find a way to answer that. At least from my experience, I get treated today with more deference, I guess is the word, with more uh, hospitality, with more extension of permissions than I ever got treated five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years ago when I wasn't quite as good as what I do, when I wasn't quite as refined when I wasn't walking around with a black vest that marked me from a, you know, 10 yards, I get treated much better today. And they are much clearer today on who I am and what I do. So don't need to be worried about that. Not something you need to be concerned about. And then we are going to talk about manipulating those very same people just a little bit. And I don't see any way to avoid it. And I don't see any reason to try. And we're going to talk about that next in our core concept segment. I spell concepts with a K and talk about the core concepts a lot because they are the foundation on which I believe skill at casino gambling are built. They're the ideas that you have to understand that you, in my opinion, that I had to understand. Maybe that's a better way to say it. They're the revelations I had. They're the pieces I put together that were my building blocks, that were my foundations, that were my pillars, that were my things that I started from. And in episode 114, I talked about using TRG3, the Meta Martingale, in combination with either TRG2 or TRG4. I prefer TRG4. I think it's the better system. But I talked about putting those together and using them like a transmission, dialing between gears, dialing between tiers, if you will, dialing between unit sizes as needed, and doing that with a larger buy-in. Even starting at the, at the larger tier two unit size before quickly shifting gears back after a few wins to the smaller unit size to finish out and get the win that you're looking for, to get your exit amount 
and or your day's pay amount as it might happen to apply. And for now, at least, I'm calling it a cycling meta martingale. The name is a work in progress. A side note here, I, I am strongly resisting any urge to throw more names and numbers out there. To have a TRG5, the cycling meta martingale, and TRG6, which includes all these other refinements and ideas, I'm, I'm resisting that. I, I think TRG4 nicely represents, uh, win more, keep more, nicely represents the merger of my first wagering system, uh, TRG1, the one, the only, and, and TRG2 always be grinding. It's a nice combination of ideas from both of those. And I said many times that if you understand the concepts, uh, spelled with a K, of course, of TRG2 and TRG4, then it's like Legos, and you can make your adjustments that suit you. You can set your own positive and negative exit points. You can decide for yourself how much you're going to increase after a win or a series of wins, and you can decide how many wins that is, and you can decide how you are going to increase your wager after a loss or a series of losses, and what those numbers and amounts are for yourself once you understand it, and understand it at a very high level. And so I'm going to resist the urge to keep throwing names on things. And as I said, this idea of a cycling meta martingale is a work in progress. I am not handing you a polished diamond. What I am doing is I'm sharing an idea, a PhD level idea. And this is not for when you are just starting out. You need to be able to play a combined TRG4 and a standard rigid, non-cycling meta martingale, and you need to do that well, and you need to do that with some success before you try any of this in my never-so-humble opinion. What I want to focus on today is how this idea, this style of play that I reviewed in detail in episode 114, I want to review how that impacts your tier points and average daily theoretical score. And this is a bit of black hat stuff. This is a bit of crook stuff. It is a bit manipulative. But the manipulation is an observed byproduct more than intent. Although I'll confess that I saw this part of things as soon as I started thinking through all of this use of a bigger buy-in and, and, and those things that the uh, independent, independent casino host suggested might be to my benefit. So we've got some crook stuff, but I'm not sure it can be avoided. I don't think it's intentional, as I said. I think it is just something we're going to observe that happens. So, for example, if we're going to use a, the proverbial $10 unit size, your buy-in would be $300-ish, right? You uh, 10 times $10 times 10 units. $20 times 10 units, $300. And you should get, when you do that $300 buy-in at a $10 table, you should get some of that at your request in green chips. If you're a $10 player, green chips maybe make you a little woozy, right? They maybe make you a little squirmy. Anytime you're starting from one color and moving to the next, People get a little heebie-jeebie there. I went through it. I went through going from being a two white chip 
or blue chip. I went from being a $2 player at the very start of my gambling journey to being a $5 player and moving up to those red chips. And that makes you apprehensive because that's a lot. And then you move from red to green. And there are some people that have never made the move to green yet, and that's fine. But boy, you make that move to green chips and then to black chips, you're betting black chips. But those are all also significant in how the house tracks you. So you should, if you're going to buy in for $300, and if you're going to do that so that you can rotate through two tiers, a $10 tier and a $20 tier, then get some of that in green chips. Because at a $20 unit size, the second bet in TRG4 is a $40 bet. And on a $10 table, a bet with a green chip in it often stands out. So you would want to make that as a green and three red chips. That will stand out more. The pit boss will notice that in most cases. A competent pit boss will notice that and will have you rated at a higher level. Or, if you're a $25, you are that green chip better. And some of you I know are black chip betters, and some of you I know are betting more than that. But if you're a green chip better, if you use a $25 unit size, then you have a $250 buy-in, you have a $500 buy-in. Let's just round it up. Let's buy in for $800 and get three or four of those in black chips. And now when you make that tier two bet, you make that second bet at the second tier, you make sure you bet that as a black chip because on most tables, not all, but on most tables, you're going to either hear a call of black in action or checks play. It's indicating a, a, to the to the pit boss that a bet larger than normal for that table or in a chip color that's abnormal for that table has been made or for the player. The player is betting larger than what had previously happened. It is a notification. And that means the pit boss on most tables is going to come over and make little notes on his computer screen that black chip has been played and that a black chip has been paid out. That's kind of the, the the useful part of all this. See, especially if you win, the pit boss has to record you received a black chip in the computer in most buildings. This would not apply, obviously, if you were playing at a $100 table. If you're playing at a $100 table, everyone's playing black chips, and maybe the call gets made if you start betting orange chips or yellow chips. Those would be $1,000 chips. They're going to, this is forcing the pit boss's attention towards your larger wagers. And here's the part Mitch won't like. When you shift metaphorical gears and go down just to the tier one unit size and eventually start your exit at that smaller unit size, in my experience, the pit boss rarely notices and reduces your bet size in the computer. You get credit for the larger average wager than you are actually making. And if the exit process goes for a while, you get credit in the system for a larger wager than a tier two, two unit wager for an extended period of time, making just tier one, one or two unit wagers. And what does this unavoidable crookish behavior generate? A larger than normal tier score, which generates larger free and match bet amounts in the future. 
and more free, tax-free, imaginary money to spend. And did anyone get there yet? Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? Exactly. Average daily theoretical is average wager size, house advantage on the wager, and the amount of time played. This process of buying in for more, starting with a tier 2 wager, and then with just a few wins dialing back to a lower wager size and starting to find an exit, creates a higher average daily theoretical with less risk compared to starting at tier 1 and hoping the floor picks up your move to tier 2 later because you start by making some attention-grabbing wagers. As I've said, work in progress, not beginner stuff, but it's fascinating to me that starting in the middle, trying to win a number close closer to one than infinity, and then rolling my bets back to a tier one wager, a smaller wager, makes my win number easier to get to and increases the casino's perception of my value to them as a player and the amount of value they need to return to me on future visits to motivate me to return. Okay, we are going to do a different kind of travel segment next and look at some ways a better average daily theoretical can be put to use. This is going to be kind of a unique travel segment because I'm not going to tell you about where we went and what we did and what the results were of our gambling. I'll do results in a minute when we get to the virtual VIP lounge, but I wanted to illustrate a point, and this could have as easily been a core concepts segment, because one of the ideas of casino combat, one of those core concepts is you're playing for the long run, not the short run, not the table or the day. You're playing for the month or the longer version of the month, which is the quarter or the year. And that if we have some losses along the way, we make them up with comps and gifts. And one of my favorite stories, one of the stories that I often tell people who don't understand people I'm just meeting or who have questions and they're, they're like, well, how could this work? And one of the favorite stories I tell, one of the stories I told early in the podcast was I got to the end of a month very, you know, years and years ago. And before I formalized all of this for all of you and, and put everything together, when I was just working from the point of view of what's in the bankroll at the start of the month, what's in the bankroll at the end of the month, and not keeping great, super detailed written records, just going with this is what was in the stack on the first day, this is what's in the stack today, and I do that math, and I'm short 100 bucks. And at the time I went, oh, okay, I'm going to have to take 100 bucks out of the ATM, it's not a big deal. And I got to thinking, well, but they parked my car eight or nine times, and I tipped the valet five bucks on the way in and five bucks on the way out. Okay, that's almost a hundred bucks. They gave us each uh, four buffets for brunch, so that's all free money. And, oh, I, but I tipped with the brunches, and then we went and sat in the VIP lounge and had discounted drinks, which are partial comps, but we also paid for the drinks. And I kind of quickly came to realize that the reality for the month was I had probably won some money, just not enough to cover the expenses. And so that was okay. It was basically a discount on, on everything we had bought. And a few days later, I get a phone call from Randall, 
who was my uh, Caesars host at the time. And he's like, hey, TRG, do you want to uh, maybe bring a guest and we'll fly out to Kansas City and we'll put you in a real nice hotel room and there'll be a welcome dinner and we'll give you a pin so that all your drinks are free. And then we're going to take you over and watch uh, uh, the the baseball team play baseball and then da 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 So this whole package of stuff was worth well more than $100. So yes, I had lost or spent $100 the previous month, but I had gotten so much more back in a really unique experience that I would not normally have have done and a place I might not normally have gone that it more than made up for what little bit had been lost or spent the previous month. You may recall that April, we lost and spent a good bit. We got beat up on the gambling and we, we overspent on a vacation. Eh, I don't know if we overspent. We lost and spent a single-digit percentage of what had been won in the previous 12 months. Not fun. Didn't feel good about it. Certainly made some mistakes. Certainly had to make some, uh, had to have some mirror time and reflect a little bit and, and get things sorted out. And we've talked about that. But I wanted to use this travel segment, and I want to use it very carefully, but I want to use this travel segment to talk a little bit about how that impacted going forward, because it really did impact go forward. The slightly bigger play, the more aggressive play, in some cases that, uh, oh, what the heck, I'll play in high limit, and every time I get even, I'll dial my unit size down. That bigger unit size play that admittedly is somewhat regrettable has kind of turned into some really neat things, some really, really neat things. And so I want to use this travel segment to tell you how we've leveraged all that. And I have no doubt, based on what I'm going to share, that partially this is less than perfect play, generating some really, really neat results. So as we got back from that, and as we started to lay things out, and as Mrs. TRG wants to do a little, air quotes, traveling, as we uh, want to take a a bit of uh, a page from Trace and Lana's book and be a little bit nomadic, Nomadic spelled with a K-N to start things out, of course. So we want to try to do some of their idea. We want to try to, to, to leverage the idea that the MGM and Caesars properties in the United States are our vacation club, are our country club, that they pay us to be members, and that we come and go as we please. So we used our relationships to schedule right around our anniversary, just before our anniversary. We're going to do at least... Uh, six nights and maybe as many as eight or nine nights in Atlantic City. We have very nice rooms booked at uh, Tropicana. We have very nice rooms booked at Borgata. We have had a couple phone calls from resorts asking us if if they if we would please come stay with them. So we have plenty of options there. And I couldn't help note that in each case, as we looked up what was available. We were getting nicer room choices than we normally get, and that's in season in Atlantic City, which is usually more difficult to do. We met an executive, uh, an independent executive casino host, several episodes back, and he explained how those that business works, that aspect of the casino industry works. And so I've started paying attention, joining some Facebook groups, joining some email lists of people that do that kind of work, and one of them sent out an email that they were filling spots on a boutique cruise with Virgin Cruises. We've never been on a cruise. 
we both have some hopes that we will like it, some concerns that we might not. And so we thought, okay, maybe a short little cruise would be a good way to see if we, if that was something we were going to enjoy. And I contacted them by email and the response was, okay, send us your players card numbers. And I said, okay, well, we got a pretty good relationship with Caesars. We got a pretty good relationship with MGM. Our numbers with my choice aren't as good. We don't get there as often. What, what kind of information do you really want? And the response was Caesars will be fine. And so I send the player's card numbers. Remember, that's one of our core concepts once again, have and use a player's card. And I quickly got a response that they would be more than happy to comp us everything but the taxes and fees, which is standard for a comp anything almost, but everything but the, the, the fees, uh, Wi-Fi included, drinks in the casino on the ship included, gratuities included, uh, in a uh, balcony suite mid, uh, and I don't mean suite, not they have bigger rooms, but the, the, the room with a balcony and a hammock and that kind of stuff, not just no windows and a, and a box. And that's all comp. That comp is more than seven days pay. So that's really nice. Mrs. Tierger is really looking forward to that. I also found out a really neat thing about Caesars that I want to share. And it I stumbled upon it by accident. But apparently, if you go to the Caesars Rewards website and you log into your account, and if you don't have an account, you should have already made one, but make one if you don't have one. And if you log into your account with the Caesars website, the same account you would use if you have the app, that is one of our casino wisdoms. If there's an app, get the app. But if you log in, and then if someone who's going to be traveling with you also has a rewards card, add them as a companion and go to click on the My Rewards. And now once you're at My Rewards, type in slash air, A-I-R. And it will take you to a part of the website that isn't linked directly on the site. And you can put in a city and a starting date and... Once again, who's going to be traveling? And it will show you charters from the airport selected. And also you can select different airports and do different searches. But it will show you charters from specific cities to a variety of the Caesars properties. And it will show you what it's going to cost you. And in our experience, that can be anything from $45 per person, which once again is the taxes and fees, the 9-11 charges, very reasonable. It's just the stuff they don't normally comp off. And it can go up to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars. So doing that, we booked a flight out of a little small airport just a couple hours west of here. Actually, by a My Choice property, by where we have some family. Little small airport should be easy to get in and out of. And we're going to Biloxi for four nights, staying at the Harris there, and we're comped. And, of course, we will pop over to the Beau Rivage because we'd love to get some Beau Rivage comps going. And they've sent us some stuff. We just haven't been able to take advantage. So that's another, whatever dollar value you want to on it. Our expenses will be little teeny tiny and nothing compared to the comps that we're going to get. We've got a, still got at least one Caesars Rewards dinner in our back pocket. So we're going to go hang around the Gulf Coast a little bit, see it in the summer as opposed to the last time when we saw it on a cold, rainy December. And then we're going to come back. We're going to come back 
And I once again was checking that website I told you about with Caesars. And we wanted to go to Atlantic City again a couple more times. So the first weekend in September, we are comped on a flight, charter flight out of our hometown to the Tropicana. And this is the interesting one because Tropicana was basically all comped other than those taxes and fees. And Caesars in Atlantic City wanted almost a day's pay per person, including the fees. So we picked Tropicana, and we love Tropicana in Atlantic City, love everything about it, love the restaurant choices. And then three weeks later, the last week in September, we're once again on a charter from another little small airport about 30 minutes from our house in the, uh, oh, it doesn't matter, it's, it's south and east, it's just a short little drive, and we're once again on a charter to Atlantic City, this time Caesar's Palace was the little bit attached, or Caesar's Atlantic City. I'm sorry, it's not Caesar's Palace. I misspoke. Only one Caesar's Palace, and he never stayed there. Um, <laughs> so now the, the things were reversed. About a day's pay per person to go to Tropicana, but just a little bit of taxes and fees to stay at Caesar's in Atlantic City. And we'll Borgata visit both times, and we'll have, we've already looked, we'll have some Borgata comedy club comps. We'll have some comps at some other places. So that's two more charter flights, and that's the result of using our reward points. And several weeks ago, Mrs. TRG got a note from a friend of hers, someone she taught with early in her career that we've known all our lives, saying that they just enjoyed so much seeing our trip uh, on social media, our personal social media, through Las Vegas when we were just there for spring break, that they decided they were going to go in October and they were going to stay at Caesar's Palace, and they were looking for some ideas and some hints and some tips and some tricks. And my wife said, oh, that really sounds like fun. And she looked at me, and she said, can we go back? And I said, well, we're way out in front of it for October. Um, the airfare won't be that big a deal. Let me check. And so I start checking online, and sure enough, they're going to be at Caesar's Palace, and Caesar's Palace in, in Las Vegas is more than happy to comp us a room, including rooms on a weekend, including rooms on a weekend during football season. And not only that, but as I look, we can stay in the Augusta Tower, which is the good tower, and we can stay in an upgraded junior something with a fountain view of the Bellagio Fountains. And if you're not aware, in Las Vegas... Anything with a view of the Bellagio Fountains is a more expensive place to stay. That is a premium room in a premium tower on a premium weekend with a premium view, all completely comped. And admittedly, Park MGM wanted some money to stay, but New York, New York didn't. And we've never stayed at New York, New York, and we'd like to stay at New York, New York. So we've already booked the a few days before, three nights before our friends arrive at New York, New York, and we have booked the time they're going to be there plus one more night at Caesar's Palace in a great room. And we, upon return, you might remember that we spent some time down at Mirage because it has now converted to the Unity program with the Hard Rock. And lo and behold, both 
Mrs. TRG and myself both have offers for two comped nights, no resort fees. So we could add another four nights in Las Vegas if we wanted to. We could even do two at the beginning on Mrs. TRG's comps at the Hard Rock. Yeah, Hard Rock. Um, And two nights at the end on my comp. Nobody would be mad about that. Uh, Circa and the D sent us an email, and we are welcome to come stay at the D. The point being... We've already booked what most people would consider a great August or October, great time of year to be in Las Vegas. Wonderful set of comps and nights. And once again, we have other little things. We're going to get resort fees at one place and we're going to get some earbuds and something else at another place. Uh, We have plenty of other little ancillary comps. The point being that the April trip has allowed us to book something free or almost free, and many of those upgraded things all across a wide range of the next one, two, three, like like six or seven months. And part of that is Mrs. TRG now being retired and having more flexibility. I can work almost anywhere there's a casino. I can balance my client work, and I can do some of my client work remotely, And so we've scheduled stuff virtually every month, and that's not even including the little things that we'll be able to do like, oh, hey, let's go over to Casino 1 or our home casino, Casino 2, or up to that MGM property that we really like. Those are easy little things that we'll fill in as our other schedule with our families and grandchildren uh, allow us to do those. But many ways what we've seen here is that, yeah, I've got a couple of those sessions at various Caesars places that I would have liked back in April. And it's very much the, I lost and spent a hundred and look at the thousands I'm getting back. And that's not a proper ratio. Uh, A proper ratio would probably add a zero to each of those, but we are getting way, way, way more back than, than, than what we lost and spent. Which takes me to the last little amusing anecdote. I think it's amusing. Hopefully you will too. Then we'll wrap this segment up. I was kind of talking with, as we were playing, I was talking about some of this with El Tigre, who is a a dealer I know at my local casino, known him for years, really bright guy. And I was kind of telling him about some of this. And what he shares with me is that he's got a friend that's a, a very skilled and very accomplished poker player. He makes all his money basically from poker or the money invested, money won at poker in investments. That's how he lives his life. And he sets aside 10% of every pot that he wins, not every pot, but every tournament event. When he leaves and wraps up for a session, he puts aside 10% of what he's won. And right after the Super Bowl, Every year, he goes out to Las Vegas, and he takes that 10% of all his winnings, and he strategically loses all of it in slot machines. Half of it with MGM, roughly half of it with Caesars, and if he hits a big jackpot, he hits a hand-paid jackpot, he sets aside what will need to be paid on the taxes with the 1099G, and he gambles it all back through. He gambles it through until it is all lost. Maybe some pennies at the end. He gambles the whole pile of money away. And he does that strategically 
because now everything for all the poker tournaments that he's going to want to play, the bigger poker events, the World Series of Poker, and all the side events, he's got a place to stay and he's comped. He is intentionally losing a small fraction of what he's won every year to start the year to set himself up to come back and have the resources he needs for what he's doing primarily. Now, I'm not suggesting that any of us should do that intentionally. It's an interesting idea and thought. I'm not suggesting anyone should do that intentionally, but what I am suggesting is that if you are playing for the long run, yes, we need to make profits on a regular basis, but if you are playing on the long run, this set of reservations that I have made off of our play when we were a little bit off the rails, and if not off the rails, just didn't do as well as we would have normally done. We've now booked so much travel that we have more than exceeded the value of what we've lost. And it created some elevated options that we didn't have before. And the biggest takeaway I have for you from this is, if you have something go poorly, look for the ways you can make it up. Look for the things that they will give back to you. Look for where you can travel. And be aware of that Caesar's rewards, uh, my rewards, and then slash air, because you can't really get to it any other way that I've found, but the way I described. There's nothing on the website that will tell you that other part exists unless you know how to get there. Or I've missed it, and I've and I've looked. So, that's kind of our travel segment. That's the travel that we're going to do because of what we did in April. Should be a lot of fun. Should be a lot of fun to share with all of you. May mess with my results a little bit, either positive or negative, because I won't just be going down to my local casino and, and grinding it out. But an excellent illustration of many of our casino combat core concepts, many of our wisdoms, and something to be aware of and have top of mind is to always be looking for those opportunities to do the extreme casinoing, to, to do the comp hustle, to get all that value back out of things to the best of your ability, taking as many opportunities as they'll give you. All right, next up, we are going to adjourn to the virtual VIP lounge, and I am going to share my results for the month of May. 2023. A little bit of the bubbly. Our lounge is open. Welcome to the Casino Combat Virtual VIP Lounge, the most must-listen-to segment in casino lifestyle podcasting. Each and every episode, we have the best virtual everything virtually all the time. I encourage you to fix a virtual plate. The chefs will make anything you would like. Pour yourself a virtual glass. Con uh, we have artisanal soda and handcrafted pop. We have both still and sparkling water. We have the best virtual bottles, the best virtual wines, that rare bottle of virtual wine that you have not been able to find, that 86 Rothschild. I know nothing about wine. If that's right or wrong, it's not my knowledge. Um, 
the best, most hard-to-find virtual bourbons. We have them. And because we are celebrating without a doubt, this is the end of the third fiscal year of our Casino Combat podcast. It is hard to believe that I have been doing this with you for three years, long enough that we need to share results, not just for the month, but also results for the year. Do a little bit of a recap. Do a little looking back, maybe a little bit of looking forward. The ground rules. We do this because it is one of the core concepts to gamble for the long run, not the short run. And to review your results, to know your numbers, and there's no better way to know your numbers than to sit down at the end of the month and look back through them. Trust me, at least in my case, maybe you have an eidetic memory like Sheldon and you can remember exactly everything, but without an eidetic memory, without a photographic memory, I sometimes don't remember on the fifth of the following month, the exact sequence of events at the casino, the fifth of the previous month. It is good to look back through, to look at the bigger losses and the notes that you made and see what happened. It is also very important to my mission, to me personally, to my transparency commitment, that you hear my real results as somewhat vague, but as accurate as I can give them. Maybe veiled is the right word, not vague. I tried to be very precise, but we do euphemize, which is to say, I have a day's pay goal. And I, that's a number, that's a hard number that I try to reach, that I measure everything by. And I divide all the numbers I'm going to give you by that number to give you an if I earned a dollar a day number. And as I always say, we have listeners for whom making $50, $75 would be making a lot of money. And we have listeners for whom making $500 or $5,000 just wouldn't be enough to waste their time. And I don't want to get caught up in the minutia of that. I don't want some of you being envious and some of you thinking, "Why, wow, wow, why did he waste his time? We all know what our effort for a day would earn us. And we all know what it would mean if the casino a little bit covered some of our daily expenses on top of how we normally earn our daily bread. And so that's why I reduce things to that scale. And then the last disclaimer, because you know I love a good disclaimer. The last disclaimer is this. If I am impressing you, if you think that I am bragging and saying, oh, look at me, look at me, either look at the comps I got or look at the amount I made, I'm not. I am informed enough to know that there are people who gamble at such a level, some of whom win at such a level, that when they go to Las Vegas and they go to Mandalay Bay, for instance, they get given a huge, you know, hundreds of thousands of square foot, not hundreds of thousands, (laughs) hundreds or even a thousand square foot suite with a whole wall that's a fish tank and a butler and a this and a private chef. They get thousands of dollars in resort credits. They get thousands of dollars in free slot play. They get a limo from the airport. I don't get any of that. Okay. There are plenty of people that either a do this at a bigger dollar amount than I do, do it more oftenly than I do, maybe do it better. Now they don't do it better than I do. We know that's not true. So I'm not trying to impress you. I'm just trying to show you what's possible. 
I'm trying to show you now from a three-year vantage point what is possible if you are able to use the things that I have talked about and tried to show and tried to teach. And as is our custom, at least lately, we will put in a dollar a day scale, we will put these results up for you to see. We will put a new blog post up with a full, last. the last time we did this one year ago, we put up two years of results in the dollar a day scale, month by month. So you could go back and look. And if you don't remember all the way back to episode 20 whatever, which was the end of August of our first year, and you want to see how much I won or lost in day's pay units, you can just go on the website, look at the blog post, you can look at these numbers for yourself. You can break them down. You can analyze them. I am trying to be as transparent as I possibly can be. So with those disclaimers, with those caveats, I encourage you, if you have not already, press pause, pour your little yourself a little something, pour yourself something to enjoy with me. Friends share results with real friends, often in VIP lounges, in my experience. I did pop a bottle today. We are celebrating, once again, champagne twice in a row. I don't know where that's going to come from in the budget. I just, I know exactly where that's going to come from from the budget. It's just going to be an expense that goes on next month's tab. That's more than fine. Hopefully, you've rejoined me. You poured something you really enjoy. Let's dig into these results. And we are doing here the month of May 2023 and the end of the 2022-2023 Casino Combat Fiscal Year. And what do we see? We see that we had a profit or loss for this month if we took look at it in $1 a day scale. I won $11.22, call it 23 with rounding cents, $11.23, a little over 11 days pay, nice number, over the course of the month. And a nice turnaround, let me observe, that I went into the month trying to coach myself and my wife trying to coach me and trying to coach myself out of a really horrible spin. April was a really horrible month, which we will see when we look once again at the recap for the year. I had a real tough April. I had some real mindset problems coming back in. I had to tell myself, as I told you last episode, if I always did what I'd always done, I would always get what I'd always got. And I got back on track. That's a nice number. Breaking that down, we had 117 yeah, 117 blackjack tables played. Of those, 53 were winning tables, 64 were losing tables. We make those up by minimizing our losses with negative exits, by letting the wins run when they do, and by using the meta martingale. Some version on the larger than table section size, some version of the core concepts, having progressive and regressive wagering within your wagering structure. And in the case of TRG 1, 2, or 4, that's within the bet size. And when we apply TRG 3, the Meta Martingale, over the top of that, we apply the same core concept to the process of the unit size we use as we're playing. We won $12.13 on the $1 a day scale playing blackjack. 
and you say, well, you thought, I thought it was 11.22. Well, it was. We actually played two craps tables. They were both winning craps tables, and we made 43 cents doing that. I'll come back to that in a minute. We played 16 bubble craps tables, 16 bubble craps tries. Four of them were wins, 12 of them were losses, $1.31 lost on the $1 a day scale. That is the first bubble craps loss I have taken. I am uh, obviously disappointed in that. Bubble craps has been really, really good. That said, this one bubble craps loss is kind of in line with previous months of bubble crap wins. And I will remind you that this was the first full month of the doubled unit size. I doubled the unit size uh, somewhere in the middle of April. This is the first full month of those results. If we're actually comparing them back to pre-April results, we would cut that number in half for the loss. We would have about a, what, 65? Yeah, about a 65 cent loss if this was in the the pre-April unit size. So not bad, not horrible. More data gathered that does offset some of our blackjack wins. If you're wondering about the craps table numbers, I've gotten some larger than normal bonus bets, uh, free bets, sorry, bonus bets are sports. I've gotten some larger than normal free bets, large enough that they don't fit well into my blackjack play. And I've just been waiting for a big red to hit a table as I'm walking by. And then I play them on the don't. And in this case, I won both of those. I'm doing that because I'm trying to avoid making that bet that's larger than a a normal blackjack bet and then getting a pair of eights and splitting them and then getting a two and then doubling and then getting an eight and splitting and then getting a three and doubling. And all of a sudden a bet that was free that was larger than I wanted to make is now the equivalent of two buy-ins. It's just a way to do smarter in my mind, smarter. There are other plays I could have gone black, red roulette. I could have gone player bank Bach. It just has with my uh, kind of, more awareness of craps. It's been easier to just walk by, drop it on the don't, and not give up much house advantage compared to playing blackjack. So, nice little bit of piece there. Um, Free slot play. Now, let's do slot play cash first. Yeah. If we look at slots, uh, we had a loss on slots played with cash money, loss on slots played using uh, the Casino Combat Slot Tactics TRG Slot Strategy El Numero Dos. That's our own money. We lost nine, uh, nine cents, nine and a six tenths. Let's call it 10 cents. Let's round that up. We lost the equivalent of 10 cents playing slots with our own money. We were given... in free slot play, and we won $1.38 from that free slot play. So once again, we do see that unfortunately this was a month with a small slot loss in cash play, but the whole process generates so much free slot play that once again, we've got, um, call it $1.38. 29 cents kind of doing the rounding in my head we've got almost a day and a third's pay in profits from playing slots even when some cash money slot play is not profitable our total slot portfolio is once again very profitable this month 
that gives us, oh wait, I almost missed it. We had 30 cents in sports bets profits. And that is really amazing because while I am not going to go into the details, I was playing around with one approach to betting sports and it exploded in my face brilliantly or beautifully. Anyway, it was a hot mess and it blew up and I switched to more of a TRG4 approach and still ended up with a cash money win. I made 20 sports bets, 13 were winning, seven were losing. We're going to continue to evolve that number. I suspect that maybe in two, three, four months, I'll feel comfortable enough with what we're doing, with what some of the inner circle member inner circle members and Excelsior brigade members are doing that. I'll bring you that sports wagering approach when we've got more data, but the team's out there working. It's more than just me. There are other people involved names you've heard and know we're working on it together. We're sharing ideas. We're sharing experiences. We are doing on a group basis and on a national North American basis with sports what Gabriel and I used to do as related to one single casino. I believe that for me, that is one of the biggest values in this. It's one of the biggest values I get out. And I hope that's one of the biggest values that comes back. This has now grown to the point where it is more than just me, several of the inner circle members, several of the Excelsior Brigade members are actually feeding back their results from their sports betting using ideas we've talked about and we're refining each other's approach and eventually that will come to all of you. And if you'd like to be in that dialogue right now, join the Excelsior Brigade, listen to episode 22, find the name of the real world home casino, uh, real world name of my home casino, Casino 2, and you're welcome to be included in that dialogue. I will also include you in that dialogue for a large cash contribution. If you would prefer to make said large cash contribution, that would need to have at least three zeros. All right, jokes aside, it's nice to make a little money on sports betting, even with some, some mistakes. We have a profit or loss after gambling. We have a profit, if I earned a dollar a day, of $12.82 rounding up. That's that's a nice little cash profit from gambling. Our expenses were 90 cents. We spent 90 cents winning the $12.81.82. That leaves us with a profit or loss. That leaves us with a profit after expenses of $11.92. That's cash money profit. Our comps were $5.15 on the dollar a day scale. We had $0 in match bets. Our free bets totaled $1.23 over a day's pay in free bets. And our gifts, which some of which were very nice, by the way, the electric grill, my, my youngest son, the young squire, loves the electric griddle, uh, $0.65. Cents. So nice gifts, nice comps. I've... Obviously, we didn't do uh, much or any traveling, uh, so comps were a little bit minimal, but very nice. And I will tell you, looking forward, what I'm seeing is that free bets are going to go way up. My local casino has really bumped that number up. Don't know why, but they have. We will also see that uh, free slot play is going to go up because the horse track has almost doubled my free slot play every time I'm out there. It's uh, it's it's almost three 
days pay and free slot play, maybe more like closer to four next month. So in some level, we would expect next month the free slot play to double and the dollars from free slot play to also double, which will be a nice income stream, a very nice income stream to have. So take all of it. The money won, the money lost. The free play given, the money won from free play. Take out the expenses. Add in the value of the comps and the free bets and the gifts. And where do we end up? What's the total value into our life, even though some of that's parking? Oh, I should mention that. I'll give you that number in a second here. Parking. Parking is still high. Some of, A lot of that comp value there is parking. We've talked about that in the past. Next month, that number is going to go back down on that particular comp because they have opened a new parking garage and lowered the price of parking back down significantly. So that number will change a little bit. Total value into our life when you add in all the positives and take out all the negatives. $20.79 on the dollar a day scale. A very solid casino combat profit to wrap up the month. And clearly, I'm back on the right foot. Clearly, I'm back on track. The things that were going on in April, both the travel and the slightly weird table conditions and some bad choices and some ego and some lessons learned has gotten me back on track, back to this being a very, very profitable process for my wife and I. Let's go over. We had an interesting conversation, my wife and I. So I told you an unbelievable thing. In issue one, episode one, and episode three, and episode five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, I overused it early in the process, but I told you this could be a reliable side hustle. And we're going to go through these numbers in a minute, and I and I think I have demonstrated that to you. I know for my wife and I, it is. And here's the other interesting observation that we made to each other. She was remarking, "Could I stop and ship a package?" She had sold a casino gift that she'd been wanting to sell for quite a while. And because she'd been wanting to get rid of it for so long, someone in a neighboring state had asked her to ship it, which she normally doesn't do. She normally just does porch pickup. But they had asked her to ship it. And she had agreed because she wanted to move it on. And she was telling me what she paid for. Sh- what she got paid for shipping. I said, "Oh, I think we're going to make a little bit on that too, but not enough that we need to worry about refunding it." That all makes sense. That's that's what the fourth, fifth thing you sold this week. And she said yes. And then almost the same time, she said, "Your side hustle spun off a side hustle for me," and that's exactly true, because she has a whole side business of filtering out the things we want from the gifts figuring out what the children want from the gifts, and then selling on Facebook Marketplace the things that none of us want. And some of it sells fast, and some of it takes many months, but it's a side little piece of income that I am not even factoring in here. It's a cash income we've already allocated or accounted for. That's the better word. We've already accounted for the cash value of the original gift. So that's money that can just disappear into wherever women disappear money to make everyone's life better. Uh, mine calls it mad money. I don't, I'm sure other wives have other names for it, and I'm sure that's often the case. So how do we do for the year? Let's start there, and then let's compare contrast. I'm looking at the number in cash, 
And over the last fiscal year, June of 22 to May of 2023, I won after expenses. We won, my wife and I are, as a couple, we have a profit of 237 days pay after expenses in our lives. I will just say that for many parts of the country, just what we won after expenses would be considered a, a a very comfortable salary. There are a lot of families who would be very happy living on that amount of money, and that is not a brag. That is a demonstration that at least this year, it it was uh, it was a part time job. It was a co equal part time job with my regular consulting practice. My regular consulting practice did okay but this number really helps it be okay. I'll also point out that that's after a disastrous loss and spend. I mean, if I'd have just broke even, if I'd have just won enough, if I had not lost and I had won enough to cover expenses, that would have been another 25 days added on top of it. 250, 60, 262 days. It, it had been wonderful, but Mistakes happen. April was a problem this year. And then I want to show you another trend. I want to take you through things in a couple of different ways. The first fiscal year that I did this with all of you, we ended up with an extra 38 days pay. A very nice side hustle dollar figure for the process. I had limited opportunities to play. Sometimes we were going away for a, a Friday night. We'd have uh, multiple sessions, sometimes a little longer trips. Sometimes I'd have a session during the week, but play conditions were poor. Finding seats at tables were difficult. Travel was often involved to get tables reliably. I was not playing five to seven days a week. I was playing one or two days a week for the most part. And nice little side hustle, 38 days pay, nothing to sneeze at. If this was the part-time job, I think most of us would be happy with that as the part-time job. We had one, two, three, four, five losing months, and April was a real mess, just like this April. But if you look, you'll see that, and this will be posted on the website as well, all the years, uh, that horrible April was minus $5.67 not the $25. So this this April loss was five times that first April loss that was annoying, but even at the time, not that tough to take. It was, it was not a problem, but we had less revenue. We had less profit after expenses. And we had one, two, three, as I said, four, five, almost half the months were losing months. Fast forward to the following year. Uh, losing month in June, significant losing month in 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 June, uh, bigger than April, as a matter of fact, in the new fiscal year. A little small loss in July. Okay, August, nothing special. A loss in September. Little small win in October. And then things really took off. November. December was okay, but November was good. January was good. February was okay. March was good, but not great. April was amazing. May was amazing. Biggest wins almost ever. The, 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 the previous win 
from that April win of $22.72. The last time I got close to that was a $23 win in October. We're talking sudden jumps from February, $1.59, March, $4.45, to April, $22.72, May, $28.31, to wrap up last year's fiscal year. And then we suddenly ran into June, $53.54, July, $35.50, August, $24.38. All these big double-digit numbers, what happened in April of, previous, of the previous fiscal year? What started going on? What was the difference between March, what was the difference between February at $1.59 previous fiscal year, fiscal year two? And $4.45, March, fiscal year two, to suddenly April, $22.72, fiscal year two, to March, ending the fiscal year, $28.31, finishing with 62 days, $62 in the dollar a day scale, but 62 days pay, a significant larger, significantly larger win than the the year before year over year very nice increase in in profit after expenses what happened started using the meta martingale that's when we started using the meta martingale and that's when i started slowly to transition in june to trg4 win more keep more Hmm, looks like I did win more and keep more because that was the transition. That was when the bankroll and the belief amongst my wife and I and the track record was large enough to transition into kind of a full-time meta martingale and also then to start transitioning, to start seeing and understanding the value of TRG4 as opposed to TRG2 always be grinding. And things really took off. That's also what causes the horrible April, let's be honest. And we did see, uh, let me find one here. December was not good. December was a mess in my personal life and and, and was not a, a particularly positive set of wins. Just a barely uh, snuck one out. And March was a, a tiny little loss, not something to be worried about. And then April was a mess. And part of the reason April was a mess is because I was shorting, I was, I was, Starting the 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 Meta Martingale early because I couldn't do the first tier off, and I was making a lot of those choices poorly that we heard about from our squad mate and their hor horrible Memorial Day. I told you I could empathize. I told you I could understand it, and I can because that's a great example. I t started changing the process to accommodate table conditions that didn't meet the table conditions I needed, and I ended up getting thumped. And then we came back and had a very nice May. As I said, so the first year, 38 days pay. The second year, 62 days pay. The third year, 237 days pay. And playing really as a full-blown part-time job. Don't know what next year is going to bring. As I've been saying in the close, we may get to the very end of this and find out, you know, in 10 years, we may find out that I was wrong about all of this. That, that could happen. I can't prove that it won't. But what we've also seen, in my opinion, is that my side hustle kicked off a side hustle for my wife. It also kicked off a sports betting side hustle.
So my side hustle is almost a full-time job and parts of my full-time job are now a side hustle for my wife and a second sports betting side hustle for me. So we will see what next year brings. I have appreciated you going on this ride with me. As I said, the results are going to be put up here on the website. You can take a look. Please tip your waitresses, tip your bartenders, tip your dealers. If you have a host, tip your host. Remember your casino wisdoms, everyone. Please don't tip away your wins. I have spoken. Everything you heard here is true from a certain point of view. In 10 years, we may find out I was wrong about all of this. It's time for leaving, and I hope you understand I was born a rambling man. Love it, hate it, it don't matter. Please share with your family and friends. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for listening, and hold on for the best part of the podcast, the Casino Combat Blues. Just a call.